0: A good evening. I want to bring to your attention
1: I uh placed an entry in the bulletin this morning. Uh, please uh make sure you read that. I really would appreciate it. I uh was led to do that, uh hoping that I could impart some things to the church to really help us to kinda of go forward. And I believe uh what the Lord placed on my heart really is beneficial for us as a church as of right now. With that said, uh, bow your head with me in prayer, please. Our Father, we come before you, we give you thanks, and come to you in the name of Jesus, our good shepherd. And Lord, we do confess that we need your help, and we need your guidance, and we desperately need to hear your voice. So Lord, we ask that you would help us to hear your voice tonight. In the reading and the preaching of your Word, and that by your spirit, Lord, that you would lead us and direct us into all truth, into wisdom into godliness, to live our lives which will praise and honor you, we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen, Amen. I, I How I came about this sermon is I asked a Sunday school class with all sincerity. Because I had reached a point, what can I say uh, to the church? And I got some ideas. And I'd like to thank uh, Jack for sending to me John chapter 10. And these verses 11 through 21. In which our Lord identified himself as the good shepherd who cares for his sheep. So stand with me while I read. John ten eleven through 21.
0: Here the word of God is recorded. I am the good shepherd. The good
1: shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, see the wolf coming and leave the sheep and flee. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees, because he is a hard hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father know me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of His holy word. You may be seated. Now the main theme throughout chapter 10 is Jesus as a good shepherd. And Jesus is contrasting himself with the evil shepherds or the so-called false shepherds. As a good shepherd, Jesus is the ultimate standard for all shepherding and for every shepherd. Now, in verse 11 through 18, Jesus pointed out four special ministries that he performed as a good shepherd. And that's what I want us to look at tonight, these particular ministries that he performed as a good shepherd for his sheep okay starting in verse 11 that particular verse is identification of Jesus as the good shepherd it identifies him as that because it says I am the good shepherd and we know that Jesus proved that he is the shepherd of the sheep because he came into the world in the right manner And he entered according to the plan of God. He had presented his credentials to the people. And we know what happened. They rejected him. But yet, he is God, good shepherd. Now, if you look at the last part of verse 11, you will see this, the most distinguishing function of the good shepherd. And that function is the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's what distinguished Jesus from all other pretenders. He dies for the sheep. No one else does that. So the first characteristic of Jesus' ministry in relationship to the sheep is he gives his life. He dies for the sheep. Now if you recall in the Old Testament, The sheep died for the shepherd. In the New Testament, the shepherd died for the sheep because they had a sacrificial system in the Old Testament where a sheep was offered on behalf of a sinner. But in this case, a perfect man is being offered for the sheep. So that's the indication of him laying down his life for us. Okay? Now notice uh, verse 12 and 13 in your Bible. And it's showing a contrast with the false shepherds, which are so-called hired hands. And they are driven by loot and not love. They are driven by money and not love. And verse 12 says this, He who is a hired hand, a harling and not a shepherd. These are the false shepherds that Jesus is comparing himself with. I also kind of noticed in that particular verse, it said, no personal stewardship or ownership. There's no personal stewardship and there's no ownership because the ownership is Jesus laid down his life for the sheep. And by virtue of that, Jesus owned the sheep. He bought the sheep with his blood. Okay, so also in that particular verse it says the false shepherd will flee when the enemy comes, but the good shepherd will protect them because he is responsible for them. And that's something we talked about earlier today. That is one of the major responsibilities of a shepherd is to protect the sheep. But the false shepherd, when the enemy comes, they just burst because they have no interest in protecting the sheep. And back in verse 11, we see that the good shepherd purchased the sheep and they are his because he died for them. Now, we talk about an under shepherd, which is what we're looking for in this church. You know, so the under shepherd is only responsible. The under shepherd is just stewardship over what Jesus given to them. So that's the responsibility your under shepherd possess. Stewardship. And it goes back to that thing, protecting and feeding and et, cetera, et cetera, because he didn't die for them. Jesus the one did that. So they are under Jesus, who is the good shepherd. And also we'll see that he is the great shepherd as well as the chief shepherd. The good shepherd dies for us. And then we'll see where the great shepherd is raised from the dead to take care of us. And then the chief shepherd, it's a delay type thing. He's gonna come back for us one day. And we do look forward to that particular day. And that's where those names come from. The good shepherd, the great shepherd, and the chief shepherd. Okay? Let's continue on. Here. And as I said earlier, the huge difference between the chief shepherd who own the flock, and his under-shepherd, who is charged with the stewardship of caring for the flock. That's the chief difference between the two. And look at verse 13. It talks about the false shepherd's concern for his own personal safety rather than for the protection of the flock. And listen to these words. Behold, the wolf comes and leads the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatter them, he flees because he is a hireling and not concerned about the sheep. You see what's happening there. He's not interested in protecting them. And who is the wolf?
0: The wolf is anyone that would attack the sheep. So shepherds
1: are totally responsible and accountable for the sheep. And in the natural realm, that's exactly the way it was. If something happened to a sheep, they had to give accountability for that. So, likewise, within the church, if something happened to one of the sheep, the under-shepherd has to give account for that. Jesus is holding them responsible for that. So you really see that when the wolf comes, in terms of a crisis, character revealed by our conduct in a crisis life. So, with this crisis taking place, the wolf coming, you can see the character of the false shepherd. They are going to flee because they are interested and only protecting themselves.
0: But the good shepherd is going to stand his ground and protect the sheep. Okay. Let's look at verses
1: 14 and 15. Now, these verses make reference to a personal, intimate with the sheep. This is a very personal, intimate relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. So this is the second characteristic of the good shepherd. The first one was he laid down his life for the sheep the second characteristic of this shepherd ministry who we are talking about, Jesus Christ, is he
0: knows his sheep.
1: So likewise, the under-shepherd doesn't give his life for the sheep, but he is accountable and responsible for them. But just as the good shepherd knows his sheep, guess what? The other shepherd must also know his sheep as well. So that's what those verses are about. He knows his sheep. And the implication of that, to know simply implies he loves them. And is to verse 14. I am the shepherd, the good one, which implies the noble one, the excellent one, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father know me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This explains why he lays down his life voluntarily for the sheep, because he know them. He is dying for them because he knows them. And the word know implies the idea of a loving relationship. And you might ask me, how can you get love out of him saying, I know them? Listen to this. This goes back to Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And notice how the word know is implied here. Where Adam knew his wife and she had a child. You say, Adam knew his wife and she had a child. That implies a very intimate relationship. So to know means to love a person. It said Cain knew his wife and she had a child. So when you look at the Greek, the implication of know in Greek means a very intimate, loving relationship. That's what that means. So for Jesus to say, I know them, Jesus is saying here. I have a very close, intimate relationship with Mike. I have a very close, intimate relationship with Paul. This is the implication of what Jesus is saying when he says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know my voice. I think about Joseph. You remember when the angel came to Joseph and told Joseph that Mary was pregnant? And Joseph said, I never knew her. And that was the implication, is I never had that intimate, close relationship with her, so how can she be pregnant?
0: So that's
1: where it comes from when Jesus said, he knows his sheep. And the implication is, I love them. I love them so much that I would die for them. And that's exactly what he did.
0: And then verse 14, it
1: repeats itself and said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. In verse 14, Jesus has a close personal relationship with his flock. And I know my own and my own know me. And when you look at verse 15, there's a parallel in regards to Jesus knowing the sheep and the relationship between the Trinity, the Father and the Son. And it said, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. See, there's that intimate, close relationship
0: between the Father and the Son.
1: And once again, the latter part of verse 15 It says a very distinguishing function of the good shepherd. And it repeats itself. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I think about, and that's why I was encouraging you here, listen to this right here that the Lord placed upon my heart. First and foremost, Haven does not belong to the pastor or to the leadership of the congregation, Haven belonged to Christ, the head of the church. The members are committed to following his lead and all they do to obey him. Haven is the body of Christ. He died for his body and his body lived for him. And then I go on to say, and listen to this here, I share with the body at Haven words of wisdom from our sister in Christ, Mrs. Tricia Pitts. And listen to what she said. It is so sad to see them go, but even though we may feel like we are losing an arm and a leg, and she puts in parentheses Pastor Steve and Brother Paul, we still have the body at Haven and the head Christ. And so we will be fine. We will certainly mourn our losses, but God will send us replacement. I trust this is his plan for us. That's what she said. And that is so true. Because Christ
0: died for us. No pastor died for us.
1: But he gives us under shepherds to oversee and to protect and to feed that which he has died for. And men come and go. You know,
0: look at Moses and Joshua. You know, it's just a fact of life. But what we
1: have to start doing within the church is mentoring young men in the church that when you have a situation where a pastor retire, pastor move on, then guess what? That other person can step up because he's been groomed all the time for that. And we just don't do that anymore. We got to really get back to mentoring young peoples in the church. And, and that's why I kind of say if we have a good opportunity to really look at what we're doing here and reevaluate ourselves and really establish our priorities, you know, going forward. Because there's a lot of potentials here. It is just really encouraging us to just step forward and let
0: the, go whatever direction we want to go.
1: This is Lord work. This is not man work. So don't be afraid to step up and say, I'll do this or I'll do that. And look at the third characteristic. We just looked at the first two characteristics. He lays down his life. He dies for the sheep. And then they say he knows them with the implication of his loving relationship that he possessed with them. Now the third characteristic of Jesus' ministry is this. The good shepherd brings other sheep into his fold. And that's verse 16. And the implication there is he unites the sheep. And, and when you read those verses, you remember Jesus came to who first? The Jews first. That's who was coming to the nation of Israel. But then they rejected him and now it gave Us an opportunity to be grafted into the fold, and those are the Gentiles. So now he's going to take the Jews and the Gentiles and he's going to unite them together. That's his ministry.
0: Is to unite the two separate folds into one.
1: And listen to this. And I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they shall hear my voice and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. The Lord is the shepherd. He comes to Israel to the Jews first and then he calls out his sheep by name and they follow him. But also he has sheep which are not of the fold of Israel. And he says, I have to bring them also in. And who are they? They are the non-Jews anybody outside of Israel, the Gentile nation. This is stunning because the Jews did not accept anyone outside the covenant of God. They believe Gentiles are permanent outside of salvation, the covenant and the promise of God. But it's clear that Jesus said I have others that I must bring in. And those that he has brought in, many are sitting right here tonight. That's one of the ministry
0: of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the Great Commission. Is to bring those in that is not of the nation of Israel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then the last thing in Jesus' ministry is this. And this is really interesting because
1: it really hit me and I have read this so many times that I really appreciate Jack giving me this. I really do. Because I learned something
0: from this preparation. And I think about how many times I read John
1: 10 and listen to this right here. Verse 17 and 18. And the fourth thing in Jesus' ministry is to take up his life again.
0: To take up his life again. And that's the implication of the resurrection. To take up his life again.
1: He willingly laid down his life on behalf of the sheep. And verse 17 18 says this, For this reason, The Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment
0: I received from my Father. And I'm going to say something. And I say it with
1: trepidation. But I think I got enough people here to correct me if I'm wrong. And really tell me that I'm wrong. When I read this, chills went down my back. Because I'm thinking, where it read it? I'm thinking that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul helped me out. But if I'm reading this right, Jesus raised himself
0: from the dead himself. Say that again, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, because they inseparable, isn't it? Okay.
1: Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm, that's what kind of got me, because he said, God has given him that authority to do
0: that, and he's been commanded to do that. Okay. Okay. Well, like I say,
1: I, I, you know, I I, when I read that, I, I I got joy for that. But like I say, uh, I'm teachable, and that's why I kind of paused the way that I did to say what I said. But I think. I have to agree with Paul because you're talking about the Trinity and wherever Jesus is
0: at, where is God? He's there too, isn't he? You know.
1: Now the thing is, you got those different functions. God has his function, Jesus has his function, the Holy Spirit has its function. So they don't overlap into one another functional area, but the
0: present is always there. Okay,
1: And I kind of threw in, Jack didn't give me verses 19 and 20, but I kind of threw those verses in because what I kind of realized about the truth is this, and I kind of see it in my own family and I see it in Vivian's family, that light has a knack to expose darkness, and when it does, it has a knack to push back. And Jesus making these claims about himself Notice what happened in verse 19 and 21. We see a relationship of the good shepherd to the world. Now this is what we see in 19 and 21. And notice what two different groups of people said about this situation. Jesus' relationship between the world. And they say, there rose a division again among the Jews because of these words. Because of what Jesus said in verse 11 through 18 again
0: division rose between the Jews. So in verse 20 you really see an
1: emotional rejection of what Jesus said and many of them were saying he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? they make making a very emotional plea to the other peoples around there who is listening to Jesus. But also those other people that listen to Jesus is this group in verse 21. And look at verse 21. Now, you see what the Jews said, and I would have to assume that some of these people are Jews too. But I don't know. But it, it specifically kind of says here, there arose a division again among the Jews because of his word. But then in verse 21, these people are being very, very reasonable, but it's like a demon. You know, believing in Jesus Christ only qualify you to be a demon. I did mean, the, the demon believe that there's a God? It tricked, it says that over in the book of James. So you can really see believing who Jesus Christ is to me only qualify want to be a demon. You got to take that belief from here to here and you got to put your trust in Jesus. And they don't do that. Demon doesn't do that. So now this group in verse 21 who is very, very reasonable. But listen to what they say. Others were saying they are not the same as one demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind. Can he? (laughs) You, You see what they're saying? But yet, that group doesn't even believe as well. But they are very, very reasonable.
0: So they being pretty rational, but being rational is not putting your trust in this good shepherd.
1: And they're going to say that demon possessed people don't talk the way that Jesus was talking. Because if you read prior to John 10, Jesus had healed the blind. He had done quite a few miracles and that's why they accusing him being demon possessed. Okay, You know, so we really see in those verses Jesus' ministry to the church of Jesus Christ. And those ministries are passed off to the
0: under-shepherd. And the only
1: huge difference is the under-shepherd did not die for the sheep but he has complete stewardship responsibility for
0: the sheep. Let us buy and craft.
1: Father, we give you thanks for sending this good shepherd to lead us with love and kindness and compassion to store for us blessing beyond anything we could imagine. Lord, we pray that you would help us to follow you and to go out from here, wherever you place us and with the peoples in our lives, and opportunities, Lord, to share your word and to spread the gospel. That we would not be so consumed by our gold that we miss the other people. But that we would see others and we would see those who need a savior. Who need a shepherd. That we see their value. That Christ has given his life for them. And sent us and bring them in for your glory and for your good. And we pray all these things in the name of our good shepherd who died for us. Our great shepherd who forever lives to take care of us. And one day our chief shepherd will return and take us home to be with him forever. And all God people say,
0: Amen.